Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Will Walters, CIO and SVP of Operations Support at Health First. In part two, we talk about how taking a holistic approach to IT service management has helped identify blind spots and remove legacy debt, why he's a firm believer in being brilliant at the basics, and how his team is partnering with startups to improve the patient experience. We'll get to our interview in a moment, but first, a brief word from our sponsor. At CrowdStrike, we stop breaches, and it all starts with a tiny endpoint software sensor that works with Windows, Linux, Mac, and mobile, deploying fast with no reboots and no blue screens. We protect nearly 200 healthcare organizations with more joining us every day. Find out more about the power of the crowd at crowdstrike.com healthcare. In terms of things like IT service management, that falls under you as well, I would imagine. <laughs> it does, yes. I love speaking the ITSM or ITBM language. That's another area where I'm sure you found that there's a lot of uh, blind spots or uh, room for improvement. Yeah. You know, get an idea. Some people do it better than others, you know, around business management, service management. You know, if you look at the maturity of what IT business management is from truly incident management to problem management to taking a holistic predictive approach to what IT service management looks like. I think we are everywhere I go, I feel like you have to go down this journey. So we're two and a half years into understanding all the services we provide, what they cost both in money, add the time domain to that with service level agreements, establishing the administrative baseline of what IT service management is and, and finding an audit proof way to communicate that back to stakeholders, right? Our clinics aren't terribly different. They're all roughly the same productivity, but being able to show one consumes more IT resources than another is a powerful statement, in particular if one is more or less productive than the other. And you can start to, to take a holistic approach, kind of that 30,000 foot view of, of where IT spend is and why, and then tune it to what's best for the organization. You take that to the tactical level of incidents and service tickets, et cetera, it's a force multiplier. So we are you know, kind of getting to that, out of a one to five scale, we're right in the middle, that three scale, where a lot of people are using knowledge management to solve their problems, where we're taking a, a, a problem approach to many of these, but we're not quite to the automation reactive, seeing the problem before it develops and cutting it off before it becomes an issue in, the, in our systems and services. We're still at the rationalization stage of getting as clean as possible. And we're about to celebrate a significant milestone here. We had one server left of a legacy Windows product. I, I won't state it in the interest of, of security, but the last unsupported system we had, of course, in healthcare as a legacy system that was based off pagers and fax machines. And oh, our, wow. clinicians, our clinicians were like, pry it from my cold dead hands. If you turn the system off, you'll kill patients, right? When, you know, generationally, <laughs> there's been seven improvements on how this is done, but it's just the way we've always done it, right? And it's hard to disrupt. Yeah a system and process that people do all day every day that works you know and so anyway we're about to celebrate that victory again it gives you some level of maturity right we are <laughs> we yeah. get off our last unsupported system it, it, that's probably a victory for, for most of the cios out there because you know oh, i talked sure. to some of my peers are like you know we're never going to get off that windows xp system that runs the three million dollar microscope because Oof. you know the os isn't going to drive the replacement of a of an electron microscope that's still good and not going to be replaced for another decade, um, you know. And so, those are uh, some of the things we inherit as, as CIOs and yeah. on the supply chain side. 
Uh, but knock on wood, it's our last one, and we'll be uh, we're going to have like a cake cutting and a party to celebrate the, the final transition. Oh yeah, anyway. that's a that's big though. That's a big accomplishment. You have to celebrate those things. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's I do this intentionally. Everywhere I've been, we'll we'll make a cake with the name of the application on it. We'll all cut it open, <laughs> you know, and take a piece and consume it. It's very cathartic. We I literally had the physical server out in the conference room. And the oh, joke wow. with the system administrator and a lot of the platform team who supported it. I'm like, every day, somebody from the team has to hold this over the head and do a lap around the office until we <laughs> finally sunset this thing. And some people took me seriously. Uh, it was really a joke. And every <laughs> now somebody do it. But, but again, that's how important it is to remove legacy debt, to have that visibility with IT business management, IT service management, to know those things there. And then moreover, then take that audit proof approach. Like we have to know what that truly costs, right? How much do you pay? Yeah out of cycle for the Windows support, right? That you can, you know, while it's no longer supported free, you know, you still pay a, a hefty sum to have it patched and supported the legacy debt of, of having to maintain all those systems. Anyway, so that's that's my yeah. kind of idea of management stance and where we are in maturity, but ridiculously important. And I think underinvested because it's not sexy stuff, right? It's not glamorous, you know, to <laughs> do that work. <laughs> And the team doesn't get a ton of recognition for when they do. And, you know, when you've got people solving problems every day and, you know, getting customer feedback on how awesome they are and this IT service mm -hmm. management who's making sure that uh, the administrative services from an IT perspective are lined up, documented, measured, et cetera. So I don't envy that team. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because you can... Uh... You can't count how many times I've heard about the silver lining of, of COVID being, you know, virtual medicine, telemedicine, but really it seems like another one, a really significant one was being able to, to identify some of these, some of the yeah. inefficiencies and, you know, find those blind spots. No, that's exactly correct. I think one serves the other as your, you know, a couple of cartoons I've seen in the pandemic. One's my favorite, the boardroom people sitting around, yeah, digital transformation is coming, but we're in no rush. We've got years to do it. And then there's a wrecking ball kind of aimed at the boardroom that says COVID-19 <laughs> on it. And then another, <laughs> right. is, another is these two construction folk in front of this ramshackle of a house that's kind of just pieced together with a hole in the roof and somebody holding an umbrella over the hole. And then two people out front of it saying, you know, why does it take so long to put in a new window? And then the bottom just says technical debt, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, for the end user, I just want a new window. I'm like, hey, look at the house, right? Yeah. So, you know, this is uh, getting back to, in order to put in that new window, call it a, a new virtual solution, or um, a lot of us did asynchronous registration and virtual waiting rooms and all the things to prevent consults or docs that have to don and off PPE to go in and out of patient rooms. We did a lot of that as a result of COVID. But if you had that ramshackle of an environment that wouldn't support this innovation that had dependencies on, on either the expertise, the infrastructure that you hadn't quite been able to do because of all that technical debt, then you weren't going to do it, right? So you had to get your technical debt in order. You can't build a, a new house on a crappy foundation. So. Right. The, uh, the non-sexy stuff you're talking about is what <laughs> really does need to be talked about, though. That's huge. Yeah, it was an excellent time you know. to focus. I have this simple expression in IT. It's called brilliant on the basics. And it was an excellent time for us to be brilliant at the basics, right? If you're brilliant at the basics, you do basic things well every day, then that's expected as a support service, as a commodity of, of, a, of an organization, right? People aren't, don't applaud when you come in and your email works and you can log in every morning and the, the clinical systems are functioning, right? 
Uh, they applaud when that stuff happens the same way over and over again as they pick their head up and realize they haven't had an issue. Um, so if you do that stuff well, it gives you, again, an excellent foundation on which to start from for all the rest of the stuff that's expected of you. Yeah, well said. That's it. That's all you have going on for uh, 2022? <laughs> oh, no, we have so much. You know, uh, We are at this impasse when it comes to clinical consumerism, right? How do I deliver a, a relentlessly consumer-centric approach to our customers? And those customers can touch us in, in many ways either as a health plan member, uh, as a customer at our retail pharmacy. You could interact with Health First by having only bought crutches, right, at one of our durable medical equipment locations. You know, but how do I take a, a consumer-centric approach to that? And that's what our focus is. We're, we've partnered with um, a few startups. Uh, we've taken, we've been a part of two of them going public this year, both Oscar and Privia Health, which have been great success stories for us um, with consumer-centricity. Privia on our acute or ambulatory platform and delivering things in ways we never were able to before some third year journey there. And then on the health plan side with Oscar doing roughly the same thing, right? Providing consumer platform, reducing friction. Um, so we're taking for 22, my focus is to do that on the acute side. Um, so we'll continue to success is be brilliant on the basics on the ambulatory side. We're technically kicking off our health plan part with Oscar on one one. Uh, so here in three weeks, We've been doing all the things that you need to do from a, from a payer side, but open enrollment and advertising and getting the message out there. So really anxious to offer a truly consumer-centric platform in the new year on the health plan side. But now I want to do this on the acute side. Um, you know, a lot of us are, and I mentioned two names that no one's probably ever heard of before, Oscar and Privia. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Privia sits on Athena. Um, you know, so I didn't say Epic. I didn't say Cerner. Um, right. You know, we're not, we're not leveraging on <laughs> some of the, uh, the traditional players to, you know, provide a consumer-centric experience. And there's a reason, <laughs> because yeah. I, I, many of us could agree that there are certainly pockets of where those solutions are implemented well and do this, but healthcare at, at large hasn't figured this out. We want to be one of the first. Uh, we're taking a physical yeah. approach as well, building health villages, you know, a true destination of wellness that you could experience physically. Uh, so I want to do the logical version of that, incorporate all these together, build an acute version of what this could look like. Uh, so we partnered with a startup there as well to truly transform what the acute experience looks like from a consumer centricity perspective, and then incorporate all of them based off your persona. So there's some scribble on the whiteboard behind me that shows some high level personas. I've been dreaming up of how all of these play together. If you do consume all of our services at Health First or only enter at certain areas, so that's what my focus is for 22. Um, on the acute side, perioperative is again, OR space is number one focus on you know, reducing the amount of friction that folks experience when they go in for, for care as well as the care team. Some really exciting partnerships there, a company called RelayOne uh, who does it with a PHI list solution. So in this, this time of you know, doing security to our staff, hey, you need MFA, you need all these tools, you need uh, you know, to download authenticator or duo security and enter a code every time you log in. Um, you've got an anesthesiologist who has credentials at seven hospitals in your community and a um, surgeon who's no different, who struggles with managing all the disparate hospital systems you force at them. How about a frictionless PHI list solution that allows you to see the entire environment with a you know, simple click, right? So looking at things like that in the perioperative world, uh, so that's our focus. And then security as well. 
Um, you know, you'd be never, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you never uh, you're never done with security battle. Timeliness is, is ironic at the moment as we're all facing this huge job of vulnerability. Knock on wood, we, many of us shouldn't have Java these days in our environments and we found out we don't so far. So as we hit sitting on day four of, of uh, this current vulnerability, but it's never lost on um, what this looks like. So for us, we're looking at how do we continue to modernize our security posture, focus on the areas where we have the biggest bang for the buck on improvement and, um, and improving. You know, we spoke to our uh, audit subcommittee recently, was very happy with where we are, where our progress is and, and where we're gonna focus resources on. But security is one of these things that um, I always said in government, I joked, I said I have 50 million to spend on a $500 million problem and in the prior role, now I have five million to spend on a five hundred million dollar problem, um, but we, we do it well, uh, and we certainly figured out how to prioritize and, and not reach the ministry returns. So anyway, those are my big focuses for twenty two. Because we'll, we'll have your hands full, obviously, but I'm sure that it does make a difference when you're starting to see the wins, the improvements. It's just good all around, and you know, really, it helps when when looking at here. These are our next goals. This is our next list of goals. Yeah, thankfully I've got a pretty large team. You know, thankfully we're resourced now to, to handle all of this. We, using IT business and IT service management, have articulated what we do, how we do it, how we do it with the resources that we have, and if we want to add, you know, a little more, a little less, what that looks like. We've got to an auto-proof state uh, when it comes to people, time, and money of understanding what people we have, how much time we have to do the thing, and what it costs to do it. And if we want a little more, a little less of IT. You know, either to our board or CFO or our, our governance structures. Um, we've now got, because back to this, you know, IT service management construct or what I call IT business management, we we know what we get. We're no longer the black hole. We're no longer the passion plea of give me another five million for this security tool or the, you know, yeah. where guys are going to get us, right? We, we know <laughs> through good discipline, being brilliant at the basics and documenting everything we do from a people time and money perspective that when we're given a resource of any type, either people time or money, we can perform. And what the measure is, we then provide milestone updates to whoever gave you the resource and, uh, and show what you've done with it, right? And we've gained that credibility in IT. I'm doing the same thing in supply chain and we're going to continue that momentum through, um, through 22 and beyond. Yeah. I like that brilliant at the basics. That's really good and a good goal to have. I screenshotted this on, on Twitter um, the other day and it kind of takes this brilliant at the basics step to uh, like the next level. It's like, you know, hey, we don't need heroes, right? We need normal people doing normal things well all day, yeah. every day, right? Like if everybody just yeah. did their job all day, every day, um, <laughs> we would be great, right? And so, you know, you, that's just a different way of saying brilliant at the basics. Yeah, I've got a, a pretty simple construct is when you're brilliant at the basics, you build partnerships, business relationships, IT. It's a perception. You have positive perception of what IT is as opposed to what many people erroneously think it is. Once you have that partnership in place, you can then do whatever you need to do. Like if that is to provide a consumer-centric approach to wellness, then that one enables the other. If that's to whatever your mission is at the top. I always build these things in pyramids. So basics is the foundation, partnerships in the middle, and then whatever your mission is at the top, they drive each other, right? And so that's why that's important. And, and it is, when you say it that, you know, brilliant at the basics, a very <laughs> pithy mm. four words, 
it resonates. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.